The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 148 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Zandrick Ellison, out in Lakerland, which is warning signs flashing a little bit, Zan. So how, how are things going out there? The Lakers panic. There was a, some people think the bat signal has flown up. They just lost to the Mavs and LeBron is now nearing a return. Coincidence or not, I don't know. Things are not going well in this market, but conversely, people are just raving. It's like peak Knicks fandom. I don't, I, maybe that's an insult because now people are thinking they're going to go on and win nine 10, 20 in a row, but that seems like the talk of the town right now, don't you think? Yeah, let's let's shift to the East Coast, a little East Coast bias action. First of all, I believe the Knicks are currently, as of our recording, they have won nine Nine games in a row. So, yeah. And they've jumped to, like, amazingly fourth, so they would get home court advantage in a round, although it's really tight. Like, they are only a couple games up on the seventh seed. So, so let, let's, let's break this down in the next, right? We didn't record last week. We took, we took a week off a little load management for us because the end of the season is coming really fast and there's a million games. And so we've, the, the Knicks were a story we we're going to discuss last week. And I was really worried. I was like, Oh man, if we don't record, like we're probably going to miss this on the Knicks, but there's been a couple things that have happened in the East, I think. And, and the Knicks are, are, I think it's hard to say that we shouldn't take them seriously after this nine game winning streak, but this win streak is Memphis, Toronto, the Lakers, at New Orleans, at Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta, and then Toronto. And they beat Atlanta in overtime without Trey Young, who got hurt. And then, but these are not terrible teams, right? Toronto is objectively bad, which is one of the more surprising things of this season. Mm-hmm. But Charlotte is pretty good. New Orleans is playing a lot better. At Dallas is, is not an easy win. The Lakers are the Lakers with LeBron or without LeBron and Anthony Davis, but like still a good win. And then obviously, you know, I think the real question is like, how good do we think this Knicks team is? They're, they're currently in fourth. They would yeah. play Atlanta with home court advantage in the first round. They have fans. The MSG is kind of fun, but they are a half game up on the four seed and, and playing like a team that is legitimately a, a playoff contender to, to win one round, I would say. Right. I mean, this is not a terrible. Depends. I, I'm cooler on the Knicks than everybody else. And I can give you some reasons if you want. Well, I, I definitely want to. I, I want to know. I, I think. Know, like, well, I'll give you why I think. Because you just said, do they have a chance to win round one? And I would say their chance to win round one is if it's the right matchup. And at Atlanta, if they stay at four or five and they play Atlanta, I think so. If they get down into like the six seven range, I don't think any anybody's scared of them. I don't think they're going to win more than a game. Oh, I, I I don't. I mean, I think we all agree. Uh, honestly, like I, I think as of I don't even know what the date is today. Let's just it's not May 1st, but like we're prior to May 1st. I don't think we think anybody can beat Milwaukee, Philly or Brooklyn. Because well, right? I saw, you know, I'm on Reddit like a troll and it's like the overreactions are just so like extreme. It gives you whiplash. Like there was a post like 
the Nets really should be scared of, you know, the Knicks. It's like, what? Well, I, I will say at all. I don't think I'd want to play. I'd obviously much rather play the the Knicks than I would play either Philly or, or Brooklyn or Milwaukee in this. In this but what about right? like the teams that you could like Boston, Miami? I'd rather play those. I'd rather play Knicks than those. Teams. I think that I don't think like Boston to me is, is not very good. Right. And then Miami is not very good. And I think Atlanta is, you know, I think these teams are good. I think they're capable of being good. I do think the one thing about the Knicks that, that would bother me if I was a team like Brooklyn is that they really guard and they play super, super hard. And like, this is a situation where like, yeah, NBA teams play hard, but like if you get beat up a good bit in that series, you were yeah. thinking you were going to have an easier series than playing either Philly or Milwaukee, which is definitely true. But like Brooklyn is, is, you know, James Harden's going to miss more time. Maybe he'll be back for the start of the playoffs. Maybe he'll be back before we don't really know. Right. And then, we also don't really know what Embiid's health is going to be like. And, and the Knicks, like, they're just going to play and run them into the ground, right? Like, it's it's just... Well, there, there are some, like, trends that are, like, pretty distinct. They're playing really hard, as you said. You know, Tibbs-style, cranking up Randall, playing over 37 minutes a night. That's good, I guess, for the regular season. It makes me wonder about their upside past that. It's definitely, their upside is bad, especially in this season, right? Like, I, I would say, given the amount of games they're going to play, they've been very lucky with injury luck, right? Their stars, at least. But I, I want to ask you if this correlates, because it's their fourth in defense. That's sort of their calling card. They're good uh, defensively. Yeah, and they are the slowest team, pace-wise. Yep. And they also, so a lot of like top, you know, three in certain categories, they're the best at either, if you call it lucky or not, holding opponents to 33.7% shooting from three, which is the league average is like 37 right now or something crazy. Yeah. So that's, so can you argue because they play slow, they don't allow transition threes. They're actually, that's sustainable or is that no. just like really it's definitely bad? not sustainable like here's the here's the truth we, we talk about stats on this show a lot and i think there are a couple things because i want to talk about the knicks future as well because it's fun when the knicks are good and i want to talk about like this season matters right but like opposing opponent jump shooting percentages is, is, is largely noise it, it's not it, it, there, there's no direct correlation between how good you are defensively and how good opponents shoot at the perimeter there just hasn't proven to be yet right we don't know specific guards don't do a better job of like guards that we think are good defenders and bad defenders don't do a better or worse job of holding guys to lower shooting percentages at on the perimeter, much like centers do do a good job of like protecting the rim. Right. So the Knicks to me, the defensive performance is probably a little bit lucky, I think, but I also think that the one thing that they do is they just don't make mistakes. They're like very fundamentally sound defensively. And this is a very different Knicks type of team than we normally see where it's like they're on shacked and a fool every week. Cause guys are in the wrong position. Right. Like they've, turned R.J. Barrett into like, you know, you, you deserve credit, Zan, because you said you thought R.J. Barrett was going to be a pretty good NBA player, whether or not he was going to be a superstar. And like, he's very much more than just like a three and D guy right now. Like he's no, a good he second really option. Good. He's making For shots. like a second year guy, like his yeah. you know physicality or whatever. He's just like a big dude. Yeah, their defense is really impressive. But can I give you something that's a little alarming? If, if you do think that three point percentage, like you said, is just like noise and, and goes up and down. If you say they're right now as a team, they're plus 2.2 point differential per game, which is really good. If their opponents were shooting league average, that would be in the negative now because they would be scoring, shooting about a three a game better. And that three points would swing them down to being a negative team. And I tend to think that's more who they are. They're like a 500 team versus the one we're seeing right now. They won nine in a row. They're 
plus seven, you know, win loss. Yeah. And I, I think the Knicks are, are, are probably on the right side of the luck spectrum. I, I, I totally believe. Well, I don't even think it's debatable. And listen to this stat, not to be a Knicks. Well, actually, you know, from their like Pythagorean record, they're actually one game low. They've won one game less than they should based on the right. numbers. No, totally. And, but so maybe saying, they've been unlucky. No, well, I think the poor shooting. And here's another one. Their opponents are shooting 75.5% from the free throw line, which is the third lowest. So you could definitely argue, I haven't watched enough games to know, do they foul the right guys or whatever. I tend to think maybe that's a little lucky as well. It's like, yeah. you know, a d- football team, like whose opponent misses a lot of field goals. It's you know? definitely, it's, it's definitely lucky. And I think there has been some luck, but I also think that in years past, like they wouldn't have been in a position to take advantage of this type of luck. And I think the biggest thing for them, and, and I think a guy that we really do need to talk about is Julius Randall, right? Like they, they yes. have sort of, you're, you're going to say that you don't think the three point shooting is real. Right. And, and I think that that's a very yeah. legitimate complaint with Julius Randall, especially He's shooting 42% from three. Right. And for his career, he's not close. He's okay. I mean, right. he's always been like a, like he's had a couple seasons in the, in the high twenties, a couple seasons in like the mid thirties, but this is, this is I mean, he's shooting like, the most. Sort of like everybody now. It's like, you kind of yeah. like squint at everyone's three point percentage. I, but he's averaging just to round it out 24, 10 rebounds, six assists, which is, has always been like the most underrated part of his game. Yeah. He's always been a, a pretty good creator. He, he's not a, brick laying like defensive liability anymore instead he's like a guy they run their offense through he's kind of their de facto point guard he allows them to play guys on the offensive side of the ball that that also can make shots and he's helped space the floor and and i think that like he signed for another year right so the knicks don't really have a decision to make on julius randall until two years from now if i remember correctly or i guess a year from now but like he's gonna finish top five in the mvp (laughs) Right. And there's the stipulation that if you are all NBA, which I think he's trending to be. How could he not be? Have there been, there have not been 15 players better than Julius Randle. Certainly not. I would, I would, and and with the Knicks record right now, I think he would finish like second all NBA team. Yeah. I'd have to look at the numbers because he's played a lot. He's played a lot of minutes too, which. I mean, he's leading the NBA in minutes played, is he not? Yeah. I mean, hopefully he gets rewarded for that. Like, how do you compare him to like LeBron James, who's a better player, but he's missed time, you know? It's it's a weird thing to argue. If I was a betting man right now, today on April 25th, I figured out what the date was. I would say he finishes higher in the MVP voting than LeBron. I, think. I, I don't think so. I mean, LeBron's missed 20 games. He's played 40 to Randall's 60. So, I mean, that's a sizable difference. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge deal. And so I'm not saying that like LeBron's not going to come back and the Lakers are not going to like really take off at the end of the year, but for what we know at this exact moment, right? Like, I think if the vote was right now, I think you're right. I think the Knicks are going to settle around five or six and then maybe some like nine in a row. Like it's hard to judge anybody at their best or worst, you know, like this is, this is like the peak of the next season. I think I have to believe it. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they can definitely, they, they, this is okay. So let, let's talk about the bigger elephant in the room for the Knicks. Right. And it's more so like, do you get excited about this season with Fibs? and understand that you're going to make the playoffs and it's cool. Like, I mean, they should make the playoffs. Obviously. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's like hundred percent guaranteed. They could lose 15 straight or something. I, I don't think they will, but uh, what do you do moving forward? Right. That, that's right. the biggest thing. Cause they're going to have a mid, they're going to have a mid first round pick for the first time in a while. They've gotten very little production out of Obi top in this year. He hasn't really been a huge part of their plans. He plays kind of the same parts of the rotation every single game. 
They do have Randall signed for another Credit year. to you, by the way. You're the first one to kind of hate on Obi Toppin. And it's not over, but he's an older rookie who's not playing well. So it's not Yeah, it, it's it, to me, it's 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 tough to like really think you're going to get a ton out of Obi Toppin. He, he probably has to go small. He has to be a small five. I've said that in the past. And on this team with Mitchell Robinson, who I think they should probably be looking to move to try to get a real point guard. They're, but they're not going to. They think Mitchell Robinson is a big part of the future. Like it seems very easy to, to move Mitchell Robinson and just play our guy in Nerlens Noel, your guy, just like give him real minutes for once. Like let some team start him at the five. But like, what do you do? Because we, we talked about this, like how good is the team around? If, if this is who Julius Randle is, and I don't think it's fair to say that he is this guy yet. He, he clearly has the capability to do this. How good is a team built around this Julius Randle? And, and that's kind of your question. And that's been your question right. over the last two weeks. Well, cause it's like the, this, I'm like cool on, was it bullish or bearish? I'm bearish on bearish, this, bearish, this yeah. particular season. But next year, you're talking about $50 million in cap space. The year after that, they literally have no guaranteed money. Yeah, I don't think they have. Well, they, it should be like it should be like OB and then like. Right. But they have quickly. a team option on those guys, theoretically, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they'll pick it up and they'll probably extend Randall. So, you know, you're talking, but still, you're talking about room to throw out $20 million offers at people like Lonzo Ball, who maybe is the most realistic. The problem is there's not that many free agents who just like hit the market right now. Yeah. You know, they tend to be young guys. They tend to be restricted free agents. You know, is anyone rushing to play for Tibbs too? I don't know. Yeah. And and that's part of this where I, I know that like, so Randall specifically, I heard him on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about how great it seemed to play for Thibs because like he kind of lets you do what you want to do on offense if you if you'll defend and he's very organized and you know despite the fact that you probably shave a year or two off your career like he's going to make Julius Randle two hundred I mean Julius Randle's going to make himself this money but like I don't see any scenario where Julius Randle doesn't re-sign with the Knicks for a max deal right he he's become sort of what we have. I don't know. I don't want to speak ill of New York, but like the like New York cult figure, right? Where the Knicks fans love him, and it's like, well, you can't really let him go. And obviously, who, who's going to be better, right? It's I don't know. Are the Knicks going to have a better chance to sign someone to a two hundred and thirty million dollar deal than Julius Randle? No, and I think he's legit. I mean, like that's you know, there's so many contracts where it was like when he got signed, that everyone thought it was an overpay. Yeah, well, they give Zach, him like two years, forty million. Yeah, when Zach Levine signed, everyone's like, and I think that makes reminds us that you know the idea on Randall was he scored twenty and ten, gave up twenty and ten, but maybe we just don't know enough about defense and yeah. to really think that that's like concrete. And um, he his contributions on offense, especially if he can shoot decently, I think he's legit. Second option, I think, right? Yeah. Like if you could pair him with, again, Kawhi Leonard, I, I would be stunned right. if he hits the open market. I'd be even more stunned if he hits the open market and goes to the New York Knicks. But like if you pair him with a guy like Kawhi. Right. If, you, if you put Kawhi and then like a decent point guard, like a prime George Hill or something like that, who could hit some shots, then we're talking about a team that could be a top, you know, three seed. Yeah. And, and I will say this with New York, right? They, they've been laughably bad for 20 years, right? They, they had the, what, the 2013 season or 2012 season where Carmelo was really good and Mike Woodson, shout out Indiana basketball. Was yeah, he's still there. He's back. Every yeah. moment, every good moment comes with Mike Woodson. And so it's like, uh, that's the only good season they've had. So like for me, I think I totally understand 
paying Julius Randle. I, I get it. Like guys earn their money and you, you got to do it. But I do think if you're the Knicks, you have to be a little bit smarter about how you handle yourself moving forward, right? Because Manuel quickly has been good. I think he'll probably finish. Like he'll make all rookie first team. He, he's not been great of late. I think it's rookie wall time for him. And again, the second half of the season is really, really fast. They've gotten very little from Obi Toppin. I mean, he's playing 10 minutes a game. Like, I'm not even sure we've seen the athleticism, just the vertical right. pop that we thought we would see from Obi Toppin. Well, so and like, also, if you, I don't know, if, if drafting Obi Toppin makes me wonder if they thought Randall was for real. Right, because you, you drafted a guy that, in theory, if Obi Toppin's as good as everybody thought he was, that's that's kind of who he is, right? Julius right. Randall, like a guy who can make threes, he can put the ball on the floor, he can create for others. And so, like, for me, with the, with the Knicks, they have a ton of flexibility, and this team makes sense, but... Moving forward, how many guys on this team are, are, are long-term building blocks? Now, the good news is you've got two, right? We agree on Randall, and, and we definitely think – R.J. Barrett's been awesome, really, the last month. Like, he's averaging about 18 a game. I think he's shooting just under – I think he's shooting, like, just under 40% from three and, and 40% over the last month. And so you have those two guys, but then beyond those two guys, like, what do you really have that, like, makes you feel super comfortable – moving forward, it's not like those two dudes are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right, Zan? Yeah. And so where, where do you go they, from they, here? They, I think they did a good job building around them. So it's sort of like, you know, you have shooters like Bullock and then you have your big guys who, you know, shot blockers. Um, but I agree. Like I, and then it's sort of like a diminishing return. So like you say, like Julius Randle's playing really well. You know, there's some excitement because Zion mentioned that he would like to play. You know, he likes playing in New York. Theoretically, Julius Randle and Zion Sounds really good. I don't know if they would play that well together, um, you know, because they had some duplication there. And so that's the kind of thing. Like, your Randall's been thriving as sort of like a playmaker. So any star you bring in is going to make him a little bit worse. A little bit worse. Yeah. And, yeah. and so what do you think? Like, I, I my biggest thing is, like, I definitely think they should move Mitchell Robinson. And well, I think, I think, you know what? You know the thing I think they're going to consider and you tell me if it's a good idea or not, because, you know, there's a lot of rumors that they were looking for Chris Paul before the season. It sounded crazy because they were supposed to be in a rebuild. But you add Chris Paul to this young team for next year. What do they move? Like, what, what makes Phoenix want to get off that deal? Well, what's Chris the Paul also might finish in the top five for MVP. I don't think he will, but like... Right, He's Chris Paul gonna... has a player option for forty-four million. A hard to match that. Do you think and... if Chris Paul opted out, knowing what we know about Chris Paul and how good he's been the last two years, if Chris Paul opted out, would he get a deal? Like, would he get three years, eighty million? Right, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if if you're opting out for Chris Paul, you're not going to match the forty-four million. But can you get a four-year deal? You know, can you get like some crazy money on the back end? Could the Knicks offer you like four for 150 or something like that? Would you consider it? I think you would consider if somebody's offering him huge money for like four years. How's Chris Paul going to hold up playing for Thibs? I don't think it's a smart idea to to sign an older guy like that. And it's and it's tough. Like it's it's really hard. Like I've I've I should probably eat a fair amount of crow on Chris Paul as good as he's been the last two years. But I don't know that that's that bad for the Knicks. The problem, this is the problem is like the roster right now, like with your Kevin Knox and your Frank Natilakinas and your Alfred Paytons and like Taj Gibsons, like this is just not a lock that this roster is going to be good next year. And there's not a ton of like real NBA talent on the, the, like the fringe of this roster, right? So if you bring in Chris Paul, like, okay, Chris Paul, Randall, RJ Barrett, that's three, right? Nerlens, Mitchell Robinson, 
that's five dudes. We still do need more, right? You need Reggie yeah. Bullets. I mean, if you, you need- add Chris Paul without, let's say he just came for to do the favor of the Knicks fans, it's probably a fourth seed, right? I what mean, if you, they're not. Yeah, if you just add Chris Paul and take away Alfred Payton, or, or yeah. let's just say you add Chris Paul and you take away Frank Natilakina and Elf is your guy off the bench, right? As a defender. Like, is that is this team the fourth best team in the East? It's, I don't know. Boston maybe still. It's hard. It's a hard sell for me, right? Because yeah. I I don't think Boston's or Miami are that much worse than New York. And because the Knicks are currently sitting in the fourth spot and certainly playing like the fourth best team in the East, maybe they would, maybe they would be. But like you're no closer to winning a title, right? Like no. not, adding Chris Paul doesn't make this team. Like even if you added Chris Paul right now with this team and subtracted nobody, they still wouldn't be nearly as good as the top. Well, three. And that's why I think that's a key dividing line. Cause you say, Hey, why grumble about a playoff team? That's giving the t- you know, the fans the best season in a long time. But you, I think you tend to agree. Like when, when's the line of like, not necessarily blow it up, but like reconfigure. And to me, and I think you as well, it's like, it's not just making the playoffs, you know, like, the majority of the league makes the playoffs. So I think it has to be either you're winning round one or you have a very good chance to win round one, like Utah, like last year didn't win, but they were right in the mix, right? Denver, They're, same deal. You right. can tell in the future they could be better. Portland, same deal. If everything goes well, it, you could win. Right. It's, but like, I think a team like, you know, whoever, maybe Indiana, I think that's why they shook it up last year. Cause they're like, yeah. we've gotten swept two years in a row in the first round. Like the playoffs are not good enough. Um, Maybe that was a mistake. I don't know. They haven't played that well. No TJ uh, Warren hurts too yeah. when the guy's averaging like 50 a game in the bubble for a little while. I, I just think with the Knicks, I don't really want to – I'm not really advocating to blow this up. I'm not. Right. You're just pessimistic on like the hype. Yeah. And I think that like – I think enjoying the season, like I very much think enjoying the season and and recognizing that you have some actual building block. I mean, who's the last player that the Knicks had – that like made you really excited as a young guy. Seriously, Zan. Like think think twenty years into the past. Like give me the well, last poor Zing. People were excited about yeah, Porzingis. Zinger Zinger was exciting. And then that that kind of ended it with a, a big flame out. How about before that? Danilo Gallinari? Like is that are we that far in well, the past? Carme- I think it was that Carmelo Woodson season. Like people were into Right, it. but there weren't they had like have you looked at the roster from that season at any point recently? No, I'm guessing there. There, it was a lot of like you know. It was like or, Steve Novak, Pablo Prigioni, Jason Kidd. Like, you know what I mean? Two like, future coaches right there. Pablo is somewhere, right? Yeah, Where? he's a coach. I thought he was with the Cavs, but he he might be. He might be with Nick Nurse. Hold on, let me look. I want to look at this roster. But anyway, my point is, I think the Knicks have two guys they can be very, very excited about. Like very excited yeah. about. And then beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what else they have. And that's where, I, like I said, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why Nerlens Noel is not a starting five man. I just don't get it. Like, I'm not saying that Rudy Gobert is an attainable ceiling for him, but like Nerlens is like legitimately like the second or third best rim protector in the NBA. So whatever goes on in that guy's head and behind the scenes with coaches that he can only play 25 minutes a night. And it's not even Zane. I mean, you've been beating this drum for years. You watch him play. Yeah. And you still don't get it. You're like, he's so good defensively. How bad could he possibly be on offense that like he can't play? It's it's right. crazy to me. He's probably he's a huge like, part of their success. Like I think if there's a track and field competition with like the seven footers or whatever, you know, close to it, I think he would. Maybe Anthony Davis is faster. I don't know. There's not know. that many guys. Noel run. Noel runs really, really well for yeah. sure. All right, here you go. Here's the twenty. 
This is the 2012-2013 New York Knicks. They won 54 games. All right, you ready for this? Here's who led them in minutes that year. Wait, can I guess? Because okay. I'm trying to think of, All right, go ahead. I, I don't remember. I was not like a diehard Knicks fan. So it was Carmelo. You said Jason Kidd got a lot of hype. Yeah, Prigioni and Steve Novak, the other two names that I named. All right, give me the give me the rest was, of Amari the was was he on the team? Still? He played 29 games that year, so not a huge part of their success. But yes, he was on that team. Oh, they actually did have one former Knicks prospect that people were excited about. And when I say it, you'll you'll remember, but uh, he's actually still in the league, but <laughs> no, Landry Fields? I don't know. No. So Raymond Felton, 68 oh, wow. games that year. Tyson Chandler, who was very, very important to what they oh, did. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That was after the title, right? Yeah, correct. J.R. Smith. And oh. then they had like Kenyon Martin, Ronnie Brewer, Chris Copeland. Rasheed Wallace played on that team wow. for 21 games. Marcus Camby, Kurt wow. Thomas. But then former – this was another guy sort of like uh, – Julius Randle, not in the sense that he was so good, but in the sense that like, the New York prospect hype got out of control. But Amon Shumpert was on that team, and he was a guy for a long time that was like, yeah, we'll throw in Amon Shumpert. They'll give us LeBron for him, you remember? And so, but this is my yeah, He's point. not on the team anymore, right? Yeah, I think he did not get another two-way picked up by the Nets. I don't remember. I, but I, I just think this is my point with the, with the Knicks, right? If this is the team that you were most excited about in the last 20 years – there's no reason to run Randall out of town. There's no reason to try to do anything crazy and think like, Hey, we're not good enough. Like with Barrett and and, and Randall, I think like, Hey, you can, you can definitely try to build around those two guys and see what happens. Cause you know, you might not have Durant Irving and James Harden, but like you've got a reason for people to come to the arena and cheer for your team each day. Right. Yeah. And I think the sort of rebuild didn't work. I mean, like you, Frank Nicoladini or whatever, Obi Toppin hasn't been a good pick. Yeah, they've really drafted strong. really. They've drafted really poorly, honestly. Like, like RJ Barrett was good, but there was no really other option for them, right? But like Kevin Knox is really bad. Like, it's it's ugly. New York Knicks draft, right? Yeah, and but let me let end on this because you know we're we still like them as a team. You know, they're a pretty good team. Let's say they lock in. I I don't think they're going to stay at the four and five range, but if they did. And they played Atlanta. I think that's a winnable series. Who would you take in that series? I would take, I mean, it depends on what we know about Trey Young. I would assume he'll be back by then, but who knows? He's very frail. So maybe the injury like bothers him all year. I, I, I think the Knicks are probably worse than Boston and probably worse than Miami if, if all three of those teams play to the best of their ability. The problem is the only team we've really seen play to the best of its ability of those three this year is the Knicks. And so I'm I'm not saying that I think they're going to win a first round series. I don't, but I'm not as confident as you seem to be that they're not going to be the four or five seed. Like, I I don't know. No, I think that's possible. And then they have a chance of winning. I just think against the top three, they would have virtually no chance. Yeah. I I, no no chance. I mean, cause you're exactly, you're right. You, you could see a scenario where Boston or Miami gets hot and like they can actually play, Philly or Milwaukee or Brooklyn tough because well, they have I don't want to dwell on this right now because I just want to make a note. Brooklyn slipped into number one right now. Um, yeah, they're a half game up on Philly. If, if the playoffs ended right now, they would play Charlotte in the first round and then the Knicks in the second round. Like, would you even bring Durant back until the conference finals? I mean, I would bring him back to like get some minutes. I mean, that, that's the other like pretty big story, right? So I don't think we talked about LaMarcus Aldridge retiring, but that was one thing we were very concerned about with Brooklyn was like, what were they going to do with their roster down the stretch? Right. So LaMarcus Aldridge retired a regular heartbeat, obviously want him to be safe. Sounds like he's making the correct decision, but like James Harden 
we don't know when we're going to see James Harden again, which is rare because he just always plays. Right. And so he's got a hamstring injury and he had a setback. We heard don't really, didn't really hear much else about like what the setback was. Durant comes back. He's, I mean, Durant's the best. Like it's amazing how much he gets done on a per possession basis, but then has like the neat, the thigh contusion, right. That's, that's his current ailment, Zan. Am I right about that? So we would assume, we would assume he'll be back and he's fine. And Kyrie Irving is playing awesome. And I, I think that like, there's no reason to feel like, man, the Nets have a lot of question marks. I don't really think they do, but like there is, there's some concern, right? I'm I'm slightly concerned. I'd say like 20% of my concern is just like the chemistry, you know, I could see that being a problem. Like a lot of the super teams didn't win that first year, you know, like Miami this and LeBron is, didn't win the first year. Miami, I mean, LeBron and Cleveland didn't win the first year. This is such a weird team though. Like, I, I don't mean to, t- to say that they're not a super team because they, they very clearly are. Like they have, in my opinion, two of the best 15 players of all time, but like, they they just they haven't really played together like at all. Right. And at all. I mean, we're now how that, many how many games do we have left? Like twenty. There's like twenty games. No, there's only the like season. twelve games left. Um, yeah, we're already at sixty out of seventy. Sixty. So there's twelve games left, and like these guys have played together less than ten times. And that, but that's like twenty percent of my concern. I'd say eighty percent of my concern is just like at this point they're the title favorites still. Playoffs are long. You know, yeah. you're talking about having to win 16 games. You're going to play 20 to 25 games. Do you have any confidence that Durant is hard at this point. for 25 games in a row? I just yeah, don't see it I, realistic I, at this point. I think you're right about that. I definitely think you're right about that. And I think, like, I've been very critical of, like, hey, the Lakers this, the Lakers that, without LeBron and Anthony Davis. And there's no reason to feel any stronger about the Nets than than that, you know, with Durant and James Harden. Now, it's fortunate they have Kyrie to fall back on, and it's not Dennis Schroeder, but, like, Right. And I agree with you. And that's why I say, like, do you just, like, you know, very, like, slow play Durant? I think Wait, because you you're really going to play two competitive series. Yeah, you need to be ready for the conference finals, right? Because even even with two of those guys, maybe even with Kyrie, they could beat the Knicks. Maybe. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, like, sell the Knicks short that much. But, like... I think they could beat the Knicks with two out of the three. Right. And I, and I think, think they could beat most teams. I, and that's why it's so important for them to get the one seed. Cause you don't want to be very cool by the way, to get Brooklyn and the Knicks in the first round or the second round or whatever. Right. That'd be a fun series. It might be boring, but it'd be fun. But, yeah. Like the nets like don't want to have a tough round two series as well. Then, then it's just like a hard road. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. I think that's like, very, if you have Giannis in the second round, that's like, Oh gosh, that's hard. I mean, and that's, that's the thing with Philly too. Like, all right. So the, they they play Brooklyn middle of the week. They beat them. Brooklyn only plays Kyrie. They might have sat Kyrie to be honest. I don't remember off the top of my head. But they take the one seed and then they promptly lose two straight to Milwaukee or they lose to Phoenix, where Joel Embiid almost threw the ball in from three quarter court to tie the game at, at the end yeah, of the regulation. Was- but they lose to Phoenix. Then they sit Embiid. They lose to Milwaukee twice. And so like Milwaukee's actually like closing the gap and right. you know cl- one and a half out of second only. And- Two and, and a half out of first. And Philly's sitting there with like Embiid is doing everything he can. He, he's been awesome since he's been healthy again. They don't have Ben Simmons. We're not 100% sure when Ben Simmons is coming back. And so I, I just think that like there are other question marks in that situation too, right? Like th- there are other situations with Philly where we're not sure that maybe Milwaukee is the team that we thought they were all along. And it's like, all right, they should still be the favorites. 
Because they're not sitting there with injury issues. Right. It's such a wonky regular season. And it's not just like the injuries. I think like it's so easy to blame like the man. Like they rushed this season, you know, so selfish. Everyone's hurt. I think it's a lot of it has to do with just like teams being more cautious than ever. Definitely. Like, LeBron, you're a little hurt. Take off a month. You know, like it doesn't. Um, and actually, I, I want to. LeBron, I don't think LeBron was a little hurt, though. I think LeBron was like a little hurt. Yeah. He probably had to like. Anthony Davis, might have been, Anthony Davis might have been a little hurt. I think you saw the dailies for Space Jam. He's like, I, give me a little more time to work on this one and then I'll come back later. Um, and also, like, not to be like, you know, strictly for like authority. Um, but I did want to say like Fred Van Vliet was complaining. This is it's like, this feels season feels like a business decision. It's like, yeah, you're in, you're in a business, buddy. <laughs> you know, you're making I mean, $20 million to play yeah. a game. You got to play the games to make the money. I mean, like, why are we like such victims here? I do. I do remember players being very, very surprised that they started the season as quickly as they did. And it was right. kind of like the players association at the time was like, and, I, and we talked about this extensively, but like players association was pretty much like, um, guys, we got to play 72 games. So like, how are we going to do it? Right. Cause if, if you start the season later and try to get 72 in, then you have to start next season later. So at some point you're going to have to play a compressed schedule. And and we talked about this a lot, that the second half of the season is is very, very fast. And it's not the easiest thing for guys to do. And so for me, like, I'm really starting to buy into the fact that as long as like LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy and as long as the Nets bring back Harden and Durant slowly and they're healthy, that the teams that had guys taking time off are going to be the ones that are probably going to be there at the end. Right. And and it's the same thing that Clippers are doing it with Kawhi right now. Like it. it, And and you can feel like as scattered as it may feel, if we can get everyone healthy by the start of the playoffs, it'll be fine. Jamal Murray is like the notable exception because he's not coming. He's not going to be healthy. Yeah. Um, and that kind of sucks for Denver. And I think the only team that maybe Van Vliet has a point because Toronto has been really screwed. You know, it's it's been yeah, uh, it's been awful for them. And and their situation sucks too because like they're not playing at home. Like it, it's yeah. just it, it Toronto this season. We we probably should have been more cognizant of human emotion. Me personally, in in deciding like how good was a team like Toronto going to be this year because they've just had a really rough go of it. And it's, yeah. you know, they've it's, fallen to 12th right now. Your, your wizards are surging back the, up. At, the wizards have won seven in a row. And again, Russell Westbrook for everyone who hates him. Like, yeah, just, I'll eat crow on that. If you eat crow on Chris Paul, like Russell Westbrook has still been a good player. It's crazy. He he just plays so hard every single night. It's like he, the, what he demands from like role players. It's, it's, it's wild. Like I, I, I just totally, the guy gets just an, the utmost amount of respect for me. And I know like they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So we're not going to get to hear how you can't win in the playoffs with Russell Westbrook, but like, still it's, he's a great regular season player. He really is still. Um, if we have one thing to let's talk about, I want to ask you, do you want to talk about LeBron and the Lakers or Steph Curry and the Warriors? Well, I want to talk about Steph because I don't want to beat a dead horse on Steph. Everybody knows the stats, you know, 21 career games with like 10 plus threes. And I think clay is next with like five. Steph Curry had four games in a week of 10 plus threes. I mean, the guy had an unbelievable stretch. Then the Wizards, Russell Westbrook, shut him down. No big deal. But, like, I think it speaks to a larger point about what we think of team building, right? Because Steph is going to be – I'd 
be really surprised if he wasn't first team all NBA at this point, right? Yeah, and I don't, he's I don't, talked about for top three for MVP, even though yeah. they're thirty and thirty right now. I, I think he'll probably be top three in the MVP. Like I, I, like I said before, we we can talk about the MVP voting and whatever. I kind of want to talk briefly talk about it just because I think it's okay. such a ridiculous storyline. All right, so let me let's let's talk about Steph first, and then we'll do that. But like. Because we can talk about the Lakers too, because LeBron's last, you know, 10 games are going to matter a little bit in this MVP narrative. But I just don't know really what you want to do if you're the Warriors, right? Because Steph is so clearly great and still great. Like the the, the Steph Curry demise is, you know, we're, we're still a couple years away from that. And so they're 30 and 30. We've seen flashes of good Draymond and we've seen a lot of bad Draymond. Andrew Wiggins is just not very good. Kelly Uber is just not very good. We don't really know what their rookies are. So like, yeah, I could, I could listen to an argument for Steph Curry as MVP because of how the Warriors roster is. But if we're going to talk about, you know, like what the Knicks are going to do in the future, like what, what's going to happen with golden state. Cause like this season aside and like Steph Curry averaging 30 a game and all that stuff, like that's, that's great. But we're going into his year 33 season. Klay Thompson hasn't played in two years. Draymond is, you know, you're probably going to get a guy who can average like six, ten, and seven. But like, again, he's not the same defensive force that he was before. He's awesome still with current offense. But like, so what do you what do you foresee for Golden State moving forward? Because I it'll think... be it'll be fun to watch Curry put up crazy numbers on a mediocre team. But like, they're already paying like. 80 million luxury tags. Like what's going to happen with this team? Yeah, that's crazy. I think, um, I think you got to keep going. I, yeah. I think you, I mean, Curry is statistically not much different than he was at his peak. I mean, and, and he's playing in a league where you can shoot, you know, 15 threes a game. Now he's kind of having this season. Tw- yeah, 12 threes a game this year. Yeah, this is crazy. Career high. I, I thought this is the season he would have last year and get some MVP buzz. Yeah. Um, and I thought the team would be about, I thought the team would be a little better. Um, I think Draymond's been slipping, you know, obviously. Uh, Clay's hurt. I think they're going to tweak it. I think they're going to let Ubre go, probably. I think he's a free agent. Yeah. Maybe trade Wiseman in the pick if you think you can get somebody. Yeah. So they have a cap hold on, they have bird rights on Kelly Ubre. I can't imagine that he's sticking around. It's a 21. It's just like, it's a I still like Wiseman. I like Weissman more than other people still. But if it's, you, you probably can't trade James Wiseman, right? right. Like, I He's mean, been like, bad. Well, and it's well, just sort of no, like, no, no, I don't mean that, Zan. I just mean, like, I agree. I actually agree with what you're getting at more so than like you can't trade him. Like, I was going to say you can't trade him because like you need him. But like, you're saying right. you can't trade him because like what value? I, yeah, return? for for a two pick, like I think you'd get like a seven pick right now. Like, it's just like the stock is down, as it happens with most people after they actually play. Um, <laughs> Yeah, really, there's two. Like, Anthony Edwards, I think, his stock is very clearly up, right? I think people are right. buying Anthony Edwards. Lamelo's great. His stock's way up. Tyrese Halliburton, like, his stock's up. And then, like, beyond, what could you trade up? Obi Toppin for right now? God, nothing. Like, like a 20th yeah. pick, maybe? No. I don't even know if you get that. You couldn't get I don't think you can get a first round. You can get a first round pick for Weissman, though, for sure. No, but, definitely. Like, but, but you would get mean? like the seventh or eighth pick or something. What, what does that do, right? Because like they don't get the Timberwolves pick this year, assuming that it doesn't go their way in the lottery. Now, if they get the fifth pick, right, and you add like right. Jonathan Kamonga or one of the three college guys drops or Jalen Green, then like yeah, you feel a little bit better. But like if you don't ha- if you don't get that pick, like who can you realistically add to your team to help Steph Curry? Because again, like there are flashes of good Draymond for sure. But like we're seeing less and less of like peak Hall of Fame defender Draymond. Like that guy might not exist anymore. But I still think because they're trying to serve both masters, like win now and win later. 
Can you and, say that, Master? I thought Master was banned. <laughs> Master's out, I thought, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, you, okay, we'll bleep so, that. We'll bleep that. All right, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> no, you're not going to bleep it. You're oh, trying to not. serve both of your white overlords. And, so, um, that's even worse. <laughs> you, uh, but I think it's just clear, like, Weissman looks okay, but if you're, you're not going to re- get really excited about the future of team built around James Weissman and the fifth pick in a draft. Like it's just the recipe for mediocrity. Yeah, this, like, year's draft, this year and next year draft, maybe you could, there, there would be a good player at five, but like, you've got to get the fifth pick too. Right. Like right. That's a, I don't know. I, I fifth picks are never going to mean to be franchise. I mean, you know, not, I never count on them as franchise. No, and they could, I mean, like you could move, I mean, God, you look at their cap sheet and it's like, it's insane. Right. So Steph Curry, 45 million, that's worth it. But Clay, he's making $38 million. Normally, I'd say – this is next year. Normally, I'd say, like, that's definitely worth it. But, like, we haven't seen the guy play in two years through no fault of his own. Wiggins is making $31.5 million. Maybe you can move Wiggins for somebody that makes sense. Like, I mean, they, they should really – and, again, I, I know we've said this before, and this is, like, the default thing that people say. But, like, the Warriors should be beating down the Wizards' door. And be like, yeah, we'll give the you. Is the Wizards seven in a row? I think. No, you no, I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying for this year. Like they're not. Right. Nobody knows making any moves. But like, if they could trade Wiggins and like Wiseman for Brad Beal, and I, I don't even I know don't that that deal makes no. sense. Like, I'm I not think even... they could offer Wiseman in the fifth pick, maybe. Well, they have to make the salary and and what Wiggins. I think more realistically, they're gonna have to lower their expectations and and look at a team like Houston or Oklahoma City and be like. Weissman for Christian Wood or something, you know, like get a decent vet right now. Yeah, that's not uh, terrible. That'd, that'd yeah. be okay. I think Houston would do it too because I mean they're far away. Maybe I mean I don't think they trade Christian. They're not going to trade Christian Wood. They're just not. Like they signed him. Like he's a big part of what they want to do. But I, I, again, that's the other thing. It's like who fits with this Warriors team because Draymond's going to be the guy that has the ball in his hands a lot to create if it's not Steph Curry, and so there's not a lot of wings out there that people want to move off of. Right. Unless you take like a speculative wing, which they've already done. They've done it now twice. Right. They did it with Wiggins and now they've done it with Kelly Oubre and it just hasn't worked out. I think they're going to pick at veterans and, and, you know, like vultures, like Oklahoma city is full on tank mode. They've lost, you know, 10 in a row. So trade for Al Horford then. Yeah. Al Horford is three years on his contract. That's crazy. He's just not playing. Like I, it, this is the part where, you know, we've talked, we talked about Draymond's comments earlier in the year, especially with James Harden, but like Al Horford did not fit in Philly. That's fine. He still gets paid, but like Oklahoma city's not going to trade him and they're just not going to play him. So like what, what is Al Horford supposed to do? And it's, he's too expensive to buy out just because it's such a long contract. Doesn't he have like, doesn't he have like freaking like 75 million left on this deal? Yeah. Three years over 75 million. Same with Kevin Love. It's just like, it's too long of a contract to buy out. Either of those guys, Horford probably makes a little bit more sense, but like Kevin Love, Kevin Love doesn't make a lot of sense. Would you trade Wiggins for Horford? Mm, I don't think I would. Yes. If you have Weissman, you hope Weissman's a little better and. You can play Horford at like the four and the five. I don't know. I think one thing that I do, I'm going to eat a lot of crow, I guess, on this podcast. I think one thing that I do a bad job of is I think a lot of guys and who they were in like 2016 and 2017 is still who they are now. Right. And so like, I I have long thought Danilo Gallinari is very good. And, you know, Kevin Love, I think is good. And Horford is good. But like, we haven't seen the real good version of those guys in a long time. Right. Oh, I don't know. Horford. I think that's true. 
And, and I and I want to hide behind like Kevin Philly. Love is definitely true. Like he hasn't played. Yeah, Gallinari was fine with Oklahoma City last year. Like he was quite good. But like it's just a situation. Like Blake Griffin to me, I kind of went the opposite direction. Like I, I'm one of the biggest Blake Griffin fans there are. And then I was like, oh, Blake Griffin's done. And now he's back in Brooklyn in a in a low pressure role. And I'm like, man, Blake Griffin still got some left in the tank. So like, Kevin I, Love, not to jump back on that, it's one of the strangest extensions because like they were gonna be bad, and then you sign this old guy to a big contract. I, what was the point? I don't understand. Good faith. Isn't that how good teams do business? By just like handing out good faith? I don't. I, I just think like Golden State is really interesting to me. Steph, Steph Curry is what? One of the five best players in the NBA. But again, you you definitely could win the title with him as your best player and you probably still yes. can. He's still a top 10 player, clearly. Yeah. And, and so to me, right, if you have that guy – and basketball is so much more difficult than it is really in other sports because the cap mechanics don't always make sense. But like, if you have that guy, you just, you have to be going for it. Right. So Golden State's got to figure out a way to go for it, even though they might say like, ah, we don't really want to. Right. Cause this is off topic, but <laughs> I got fascinated. You know, I'm clicking around. How many all-star teams has Kevin Love made? In his long and illustrious career, I, can you tell me how many years Kevin Love's played in the NBA since 2008? Right, he played in 2008, and he is 32 years old right now. Okay, so he's played third. This is this this yeah, would, if he played, this would be 13. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna guess he hasn't made an All Star team in a long time. I'm gonna say he's made four all-star teams five that's really good i thought it was like seven or eight because i know because he he made remember know. he was remember how good he was in minnesota like originally yeah. like when he was getting like it felt like he was throwing up 20 20 games like really regularly and then you go to you go to cleveland and like he kind of became like lebron's whipping boy a little bit right. which, he didn't make an all-star team the first two years despite being healthy and Cleveland. yeah yeah and that kind of just happens like they have other guys but i, I just think I just I'm very very curious to see where Golden State goes because the biggest check to me this year was how good is Steph Curry and we're seeing that Steph Curry is still one of the ten best one of the five best players in the NBA so yes. they've got to figure it out and they don't really have a lot of flexibility they just and don't. also it's just hard to like give up that markability marketability too you no know? I mean you 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 floated the. It was you, right, that floated the Steph Curry to the Lakers theory? Yeah, I did, because I've heard it in L.A. a lot. I just don't understand. So, He's already I mean, got it. put Steph on L.A., that, that's a title right there. Do you? Sure. Do, yeah, Steph and LeBron, like, they could be 40, and I'd still pick them to win the title. Like, Steph fits, Steph fits better with LeBron than, like, any player in the entire league, right? Anthony Davis is pretty good at fitting with LeBron. But, like, so let me ask you a question. So we right now, we've talked about the MVP a little bit, and we, we want to go into a little bit more, because the last time we talked about it, Steph Curry hadn't averaged – 45 points a game over a two-week stretch. I, I think it's Jokic, then Embiid, then Curry is going to be one, two, three. And then probably like Dame, Chris Paul, Randall, LeBron, somewhere in that neighborhood for those next four. I don't know where they finish. Where yeah, Whoever's playing well like end of the At season the is going to get season, a boost. Right. And, the, and the thing with, like you said, Julius Randall and Jokic specifically, those two guys are going to be buoyed in the voting by the fact that they just played more than everyone else, right? I mean, Randall's numbers are ridiculous. Jokic has played every single game. He gets the Murray narrative a little bit. Not to mention that his numbers aren't amazing anyway. But so it's it's you know what? First of all, I love Basketball Reference. Their MVP tracker is like broken because they don't have Embiid in the top ten. They don't have. Um, I mean, like, how do you even get away with that? They don't have Steph Curry in the top ten. 
Um, they don't have and, Steph Curry in the top 10. No, I guess it's based on record. Maybe he's, he, not in he's probably the one guy. Like I, I, I told you before, like I thought when Embiid went down to begin with, when Embiid and LeBron both got hurt, I was like pretty confident that Jokic was going to win at that point. And since then, I, I think he's a hundred percent to win. Well, it's so annoying to me because it felt like the, I tweeted it. It was like theme week on all the media platforms, like <laughs> generated by ESPN. It's like, let's float MVP anti Jokic MVP arguments. And then at the end, admit that like Jokic is just clearly the MVP, and this was like a useless point of conversation. I saw, I saw someone, and I can't remember who it was. He was not a sports writer. It was a it was a political writer tweeted that Steph Curry should be the MVP because he's the one. He's one of the few guys in the league that no matter what you do, you just cannot stop him. Like he's just insane. And I saw like Seth Part now tweet like, "Please don't do this. Like this is this is not how it <laughs> well, works." Well, it's so annoying. And I'll target specifically Rachel Nichols and Brian Windhorst. Oh, and man. I tweeted at them. I even added them on Twitter. I'm sure they responded. <laughs> no, they didn't. Although I did see Rachel Nichols was was responding to a lot of people because she, she she did the same thing Windhorst did. Was I think they either voted for Joel Embiid in like a straw poll, or they were making the argument for Joel Embiid, and there's just really no argument. I no, mean, there's not. He's played 20 games less than Jokic. Like, right. And then they do this thing at the end where they're like, I'm not saying Jokic doesn't deserve it. I'd probably vote for him, but it's an argument. It's like, it's not. If it's clearly one guy and, you know, it's like a score of 100 to 99, it's like, you can say it's close, but it's clear that 100 is better than 99. Like, it's just no argument against that. Seth Parno did this like because of this tweet like he did this thing about how valuable Embiid would have to be and he is more valuable on a per possession basis than Embiid but like to if if you just make it like about numbers if you just do stats of like win shares VORP all, all that crap right box plus minus like Embiid has to be like three or four times as valuable as, in, as Jokic over the end of the season to even come close to eclipsing the seasonal value that Jokic has had. Well, and, so, and also, I think I think it's more insidious than that. Like, you could say these guys are just trying to fill airtime. They probably are. I think it's more insidious. I think it's, to me, and I tweeted this, <laughs> this is what I tweeted. Anyone who makes the Embiid for MVP argument is admitting to me, like I'm sniffing them out like a rat, that their sources in life are Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, and they're, they're just trying to keep their sources in their hands. In we the haven't even heard. This is how I know that Embiid's not going to win MVP. I just want you to know this because we haven't heard Daryl Morey like go public about it. They've been more on the Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year right. race, and that means to me because we know how Doc and Daryl Morey operate. Those two guys, when they want to pump somebody for an award, they they are front and center with all the buddies and like call David Griffin and get his sources in on it, like. I so, guarantee you Daryl Morey has like fake Twitter accounts hyping up his guys for rewards. He does. How can he not? Everyone, you have a fake Twitter account. That's true. But just to hype you up, just because I think you need an ego boost. That's true. I could I could really use an ego boost. I just think that I, I don't really understand. First of all, regular season NBA awards mean nothing, right? Like they, they, mean, they mean something. But in the NBA specifically, you and I both know what matters the most, right? Like, well, I don't know. I thought MVP didn't matter. Oh, I don't know rings. Like, you got to win oh, titles, I guess. right? Because no, if you're Nikola Jokic, like some chubby MVP's guy. MVP's cool. It's very cool for him to, to win. win. MVP would be pretty badass. I just don't understand why it's not okay to acknowledge that Nikola Jokic is not the best player in the NBA, but he is the MVP right. for this season. Like, what is wrong with that? Why, why can't that be a thing, Zan? I don't know. I, I think it's so obvious. It's not even worth talking about. And I and I think the vote will be, I think you're right. I think it will be Jokic and B just because of the media and then Steph Curry. 
right. I think will get third. And, and I it'll think be it interesting. Be, it'll be I interesting. Think, Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think Giannis should be second personally. He's although he's been missed awesome. Times, like, but. but he's been awesome. And like, if if so, so answer me this: If the Bucks finish ahead of the 76ers, like, why isn't Giannis finishing second? Like I told you before, like Harden, in my opinion, was probably this in second place just because how good the Nets were playing and how good he was with them, and now he's injured, and so he's out of it. But like. Why would Milwaukee not, if they finish in front of Philly, why would he not finish second? Right. Like it, oh, and they're going to finish ahead of Denver too, probably. So I, I thought before the season Giannis would win again, just because that argument. I'm like, if you have the best stats. Voter and, fatigue. And no, but I still disagree with that. Because it's like, if you have the best stats and the best record, you're going to win MVP. It doesn't matter if it's your 10th time in a row. The problem for Giannis is they're not the number one seed this year. And Jokic's stats are a little better than Giannis's this year. So he doesn't really have either argument on his side. Yeah. I mean, Giannis's numbers are just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's like ridiculous to watch Giannis because, and I, I will say this, I, uh, we, we've talked a good bit about Milwaukee, probably not as much as we've talked about Philly and Brooklyn, pro- probably not close to as much, but like they've done a really good job in my opinion of tinkering with their team over the last couple of years. And I think Philly's done the same. Like, and, and so Maury over the next couple of years, assuming that Embiid stays healthy, will will we'll likely do the exact same thing. But like Milwaukee is a much cleaner playoff team right now than they've been the last two years. And watching Giannis operate late in games has been, I think you called it an eyesore last year no, in the bubble. But like now, it's not that bad anymore. Like he's, I, I was watching him. I I like them. I mean, like you know, guys I never liked, like Bobby Portis. Like he's, he's your making backup. shots. <laughs> he's making shots. Like Bryn yeah. Forbes made a huge three against the Sixers, and I was like, man, is that Bryn Forbes? I haven't seen him a lot this year. And it's like they're and they're Jim pretty holidays. Like so freaking big, you know. He's, he's fantastic. He's he's just so good. People were bitching about his contract, like that it was a huge overpay, and I was thinking to myself that like. Given some of the salaries in the NBA, 160 million for a guy like Drew Holiday, that that seems like pretty fine, right? Like that. And seems we, like- we kind of doubt it. My brother Dondrick makes fun of us for being regular season tricked by the regular season, but it's not that because I think we've been saying all year, Milwaukee and the Clippers seem like the slept on contenders right now. They definitely do. And and again, it, Milwaukee could finish with a one seed, as far as I know. Like because because here's the thing. Brooklyn needs to go all out. Like they, they more than anybody could benefit from the extra, like, I won't say series off that that's totally not fair, but like they could benefit from that more than a team like, you know, Milwaukee. Right. So Brooklyn really needs to do that. But if they don't, and Milwaukee's the team that kind of gets to just like walk into the conference finals, that's, it's pretty good for a team like Yeah, Milwaukee. there's there's not a the, the, as they say a non-zero chance that Milwaukee like rattles off like 10 wins in a row, gets the one seed and then maybe Giannis gets some maybe he'll finish second then. But and then people start looking at Milwaukee as the team to beat in the East again. I it's mean, they're in striking distance. It's only 12 games and they're two and a half back. So they'd have to have a long win streak, but still. So if you had to guess, go given that LeBron will come back and he'll probably play, I don't think LeBron's going to end up playing 10 games, right? He's, he's not going to be back until the beginning of next week, I thought. But if LeBron plays 10 games and the Lakers like sustain, let's say they go eight and two, is he just going to finish second because people want to give him credit for what he did so. early in the year? Because he's LeBron's missed a lot of games now, like yeah, far more games than missed, you'd expect. He's missed too many. I think he'll finish in the top five and then grumble. <laughs> That he didn't win MVP, even if he wins the title. You know, it's like it's one, of very, the, one of those things. It's, it's very funny to look at Giannis's numbers and to look at the Bucks' record and then 
try to convince yourself that he should finish ahead of Giannis or yeah, that, Julius, no that, that Julius Randle should finish ahead of Giannis in the MVP voting based on like his numbers. Oh, yeah, Randall. Do you think yeah, he'll be sorry. top five for real? I definitely do. I think people love stories. Like they just love it. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? If, if he doesn't win, who cares where he finishes, right? It's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But that shows you how little candidacy I think LeBron has. Like, I think I would vote for Randall over LeBron. I'm not sure. I said that earlier and you told me you didn't. I know, but I'm debating it. (laughs) And hey, LeBron, this is going to be a second out of two years with the Lakers that he's going to miss, you know, 20 plus games. Not that it matters if you win titles, but um, maybe it's a different era in terms of LeBron's longevity because he's been so healthy for so long. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I just think that like... LeBron needs to be playing 55 games a year. Like, just play 55 games a year and then play in the playoffs, right? Because this year, him being rested is probably a big deal. I, I really feel that way. And I'll, I'll say this. You're still uh, – we'll talk next week maybe about Utah and in Phoenix. I don't know. Watching the Lakers, watching Milwaukee, I still think there's only like three or four contenders. And I think the Lakers are right in the mix still. I would not bet against them, I think, in any series. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 really hard. For I mean, they just they just played a game against Dallas where they started Ben Mclemore. Like, it, I mean, it's like I don't know what's going to happen. I think we just want to have everybody healthy for the playoffs, like you said. Although I will say this: if you want to read the tea leaves, LeBron was like barking at that game at the officials, at his teammates. Like yeah. he really wanted to win against Dallas. It makes me think he's a little nervous about going down to six, about playing the Clippers in round one. That would be tough, and I think. Even if you say that it's a, you know a slight favorite, fifty five percent chance, like it's hard to win three or four of those series in a row. It is. It really, really is. And that's that's the thing. Like I don't know how good I think Phoenix is. That they're good when I watch. But again, we've talked about them a little bit in in the sense that uh, they just kind of they just are very solid. And until we see them do it, we'll, we'll kind I, of wait. Can I end on one last question for you? It's yeah, go ahead. Key, key question, I think. Go for it. LeBron has won how many titles now? Four titles. Four titles. I think that matches to a T. CT from the challenge, MTV challenge, just one again. You only has four titles? I would expect I he has. Four. Yeah, Johnny has, has like seven. Let me ask you. Hold on. Let me. Wait, I want to ask you, CT versus LeBron, who's had a better career in their? Yeah, I was gonna. That's that's a, my that was my follow up question. Like how. Uh, LeBron's played how many seasons? This I think is, it's about the same. They've both been about twenty. No, seasons. but the problem is it feels it feels like there's more challenge. There's not one yeah. challenge a year, right? Like so, CT could be like four titles in like. I think it's been about twenty seasons for him. Yeah. Forty chances, but also like the challenge is, is the challenge is hard because you don't know like the rules change all the time. Like at least with LeBron, he can just make his own team. It doesn't feel like CT can do that, right? At some point, uh-huh. CT gets saddled with like a pretty pretty upsetting like teammate doesn't he yeah so, you know and and a lot of times he's on a bad team one guy like a heavy guy fainted and <laughs> almost died ct one uh, time got himself sent home if i remember correctly so maybe oh, that a was couple his, times that was his 20 that was his 2019 season i guess like i don't know i i would say that i would say lebron because of the hype has had a better career because he's lived up to the hype but ct pretty pretty long good career Right, like I, I would yeah. say that. I mean, it's it's pretty good in my opinion. We were on our challenge podcast. We're wrapping up the season, but we were debating the goat in that sport. And he was, you know, it sounds like he's pretty much number two right now. So LeBron and is arguably number one. 
Yeah, Johnny Bananas has won too much. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. MTV Challenge accepted sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. Oh, no, maybe not. the season's over, right? Are you recapping anything else or what? The season's over. We have a reunion and then a recap. Um, but you can listen to it and hear that debate. I'll pose that to my brother, see what he thinks about that. Okay. And then uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, this will air Tuesday. We've taped Sunday, but this will air Tuesday. We're going to go back to Tuesdays. Might have some other weeks on, weeks off, depending on what's going on with the season. But obviously, it's it's really ramping up here at the end. About, like Zan said, 12, 12-ish to 15 games left for each team. So we might take one more week off before the playoffs start, and then we will be back for that. But uh, other than that, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. And uh, you can email the show, ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. And uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.